This is a Locker Room Production. back episode 24 shout out to the one and only kobe bean bryant for the episode and shout out to the migos culture three vaccine to kick us off we're officially back no weather increments no bs it's episode 24 you're now rocking with the best shot the road pairs for that line and it's back with me and you know him best from off the top rope on spotify y'all make sure to show him some love it's blackheart blackheart how's it going tonight man i'm back in here bitches what's going on with you playing pimp i got a lot of shit to talk about man fuck the nonsense let's get into it the nuggets are the biggest disappointment in the nba right now so you're gonna hear me talk about that later on in this episode well, I'll tell you what, though. The Utah Jazz are looking like more of a bigger disappointment than Denver has. <laughs> but we're going to get into everything and more. Blackheart, though, I'm sorry about yesterday, though. Weather took Yeah, your Wi-Fi is trash, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 the weather in North Carolina is trash. That's, that's the problem. And See? That's, that's yeah, I even said that. <laughs> I pay a hundred dollars. I will say though, this pressure is really the only Wi-Fi I can really get. So um, I, I will you. say though, thank goodness I did because last whole, night it was like eleven thirty when I messaged you, and I had to go to the Walmart and report the outage because at Walmart they have Wi-Fi. And had I not reported this I outage, had I would have been without Wi-Fi. They can't. The they can't. Go free. Because they no can't one did report this outage. Nobody, so, they can't so, and I live in an apartment complex, so I don't understand mm. why no one didn't report that. So, but oh thank goodness God. I did, and yeah, it was fixed it within like thirty minutes after I did it. So, I will say that great stuff right there. Um, but hey, we're into NXT Takeover Blackheart. I got to ask you before we get into the matches and stuff, what was your thoughts on the show? Because okay. I'm going to give my thoughts before I go into this right. as well. Oh, it well, went down. in your house, is just going to be another. Yo, it went down. Ooh, nice. Sorry, I have my little sister in the background. Me, Apologies in the water. Oh, no, you're good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what you call it? What's that? Oh, yeah. NXT last night, the, the, five, six, the five and six match card that they had included the pre-show, which I happened to miss. I'm not that really surprised. I was suspecting the same vibe as I got from last year's um, NXT TakeOver in your house pay-per-view that happened last year, too. So I did feel like, oh, I'm going to be blowing my socks off. I'm expecting some great matches, however, but I wasn't going to expect like the memorable moments. So I was going to say it was just a pay-per-view just to fill in for a pay-per-view. I will say, to me, this felt like a, a WWE show. It didn't feel out. like a... PWG All Star Show of Takeovers. It just literally Crazy, felt right? like a B show, 
And that's not we a at bad one point thing had because there four actually was two great matches on this card, the opener and uh, the main event. I had a party. But the rest so of this I card was very, very, very like, dry. To me, this felt, the, the, the show really felt like a good no, NXT show. Plus, all the a good NXT show that you would throw on the Wednesday nights when they were competing with AEW. This is not a takeover show to me, though. The lady laughed at me. Where I would have went out my way and recommended anything except the main event. When I got the internet, I had to sign up for the medium, the the middle plan, and I then had to do an upgrade because if I tried to do this one first, you know, the main event would actually be something that actually was a match of the year candidate, in my opinion. It wasn't the five star match of the year, but it was. it definitely was one of the better four or upstart matches of the year. Uh, the pre-show featured Zoe Stark and Saray. They defeated uh, Jesse Kamea and Aaliyah. Um, My baby Aaliyah! What the fuck are you job? Well, well, the match didn't even air on the takeover. It actually was just something for the... Exactly. Program. That was a big spit on my face. And, but I came to NXT I, to see my, my, see my baby Aaliyah and I didn't even get it. Oh. But I will say, well, I will say though, the match didn't go really long, so so you really wouldn't have seen a a whole lot of nothing but Aaliyah just getting you know beat by Zoe Stark and stuff. Um, it was more of comedy as well because Robert Stone on the outside, like literally lost his shoe, and Beth Phoenix like tweeted a photo of Robert um, Robert Stone's like actual foot on the commentary desk. So so it was it was it was more of Robert Stone being like embarrassed in comedy. Um, but it was, it to, and then we opened the show and Todd Pettigale's the host and I'm going to get into him as well, because I, I, I'm going to have to get on him about something Man, look at that shit. Look because what he I have was right promising now. me that, that he was going to come out and like do something different <laughs> he, and he did worse than he did <laughs> last year. You know, last year he did great to me, but look at my, this he's year he my fucking worse. network. You see that shit? And then. <laughs> So then, of course, Todd Pettigill announced that they have the largest gathering of fans yet in the Capitol Wrestling Center. First of all, the Capitol Wrestling Center. I was Center, like, bro, everybody will be able well, to well, tell my wife I have to be like that mad random fucking anyway, soul Illuminati 420. It was about 350 to 400. And a lot of people were actually more squishy like because remember they and may like, try to seem big on TV, but it's really not big. I like, it's actually very small. I forget what was mm-hmm. going on the so, night when I fucking so, did that. So, so then, of course, our opening match was the winner take over the NXT that, North American and NXT Tag Team Champions. <laughs> it was Bronson Reed and MSK defeating Legado del Fantasma, Santos Escobar, Mendoza, and Wild in thirteen forty one. I will say this first half of the match started off like a house show. Because all the heels did was just sell for Reed. They, you know, made a lot of comedy spots. And then as the match got towards, like, the end, it started to become a really good match. Um, Of course, of course, the finish was... Um, that Escobar tagged in and hit a Mick <coughs> driver, but Carter broke up the pin, and Wilder Mendoza hit a high and low on Carter, but Wesley uh, dove in to break mm. the pin. Escobar grabbed the belt at I ringside have, and an had like a sneering voice I have and yelled at the camera. But then Xbox he was blindsided one. by Bronson Reed, sending him into the barricade at ringside. Mendoza dive was cut that off with a super kick. And then MSK hit it, an assistant blockbuster, and Reed pulled down the straps and hit the tsunami for the win and retained. I gave it three and a quarter. 
it was a good opener, but it was not a great match like everybody else was saying on social media. Uh, Blackheart, what was your thoughts on this match? Uh, I got to piggyback off you with this one. I got to give it a three point, uh, three point and three and a quarter, uh, five stars for this. I felt like, yeah, it was starting off slow. It didn't really give me, <clears throat> it didn't really give me the excitement of the match that I thought that I was going to look at. And from based on what's been hyping up and you know and everything else like that, it kind of felt flat to me. Plus, I think that match should have been match number three. I think if that was really the case. If we would have rearranged the match card, that would have been my third, my third match right there to get people to try to keep them awake and give them a little bit more time to work and try to get some some better spots. I mean, not really better spots. I mean, and the and the MSK do it you know, like they always do great work. So. And I'm not gonna do that, but the whole Boston Reed and, and um, Escobar, I mean uh, and Santos Escobar, whole dynamic right there. I can't buy into it because you got a person that's 450 pounds and the person that's a cruiserweight, and with those fucking dynamics, you're not gonna be able to book up to win strong. He's gonna have to cheat to win. So if that was the case, they could have cheated this time around and probably won, but they didn't try to do it. It was like a straight fight. So. I did feel like the proper storyline pieces were in place for this one. So that's what I felt about it. I, I did get the perception off this match that they're going to keep going Santos and Bronson Reed for at least one more month or two. And uh, and that's fine. I actually don't have a problem with it. And and like you said, too, you know, they have portrayed Santos as a cruiserweight, but they do portray Santos Escobar as like the greatest cruiserweight ever. And, and, and in retrospect, he might actually be the best cruiserweight that they've had in like over 15 years outside of like the Rey Mysterios and Eddie Guerrero's because because Santos really was booked better than than Pac was as a cruiserweight champion in WWE. So I will give them credit right there. And they did, and they did keep Santos out of the pinfall victory, which is fine. That That's that's more than fine. So we didn't actually have a problem there. Um. Then, of course, we start with backstage segments and outside segments. It was – it basically leads to, like, William Regal with his announcement at the end of the show. But Kyle O'Reilly was interviewed. He said today was a good day for a fight. And then Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory called him a dork. So Kyle O'Reilly said, okay, well, we'll get into a fight now. And Theory pushed O'Reilly. O'Reilly pushed Theory. And then Johnny Gargano says, you don't push my boy. And then they started all shoving. And then William Regal and officials came to break it up. And – yeah, so then we had a comedy segment where Todd Pettigale was cutting a promo saying that Zaya Lee Mercedes Martinez is four years in the making from the May Young Classic. He tries to put in a VH test tape, and Mackenzie Mitchell comes up, and Mackenzie said, uh, Todd, we don't do that no more. And Todd's like, he's like, oh, so where is this done? She's like, it's done at the video production. She said, it's all digital. He's like, he's like, he's like, I'll go bring this to them right now. And here's my issue with this. Todd Pettigill thing. Last year it was cute and funny, but this year, you telling me he still didn't learn how he still didn't learn that they don't do VHS and shit. Like <laughs> it's been over a fucking year since he was at the last takeover. But really more importantly, they make it seem like he has Alzheimer's and here we go all over again with the <laughs> NXT. You know, saying so kind of like trying to dig him in because he used to do that before back in the day, but. They could have done it better, man. Hey, I'm back again for the second year in a row or something like that. Exactly. And what's even worse is Todd Pettigill on Instagram even knows how to use this shit. 
because he literally does a podcast and shit, just like you and I do. So I don't even know why the hell they were making him look like an idiot. Like, like they really made Todd Pettigill look like he was an idiot from the 80s. That's all they poor, made this poor Todd Pettigill. I was like, I said, why do I, I said, I said, why are you even, I said, I said, I said, you're not even funny to me now. I mean, like, last year it was funny because you can actually, like, get off with the fact, okay, maybe he hasn't watched WWE in, like, over 20 years, but the fact that he was even talking about this and told Justin Barrasso of Sports Illustrated, who actually did the kickoff show, and actually, I was actually very impressed. (laughs) Yo, chill, my guy. So, so, so then next thing I know, Literally, Todd, so Todd Pettigrew was telling Justin Barrasso, oh, I'm going to bring difference into this, and I'm going to bring my own um, art, artist or whatever the shit is. And I was just like, man, you didn't bring shit to this shit. Man, he only brought you know was I mean? a classic Nintendo 8-bit, is it, 8-bit hard drive system. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> and, and, and when you think about it, he actually got less time this year than he did last year. That's what didn't even make any sense to me. I'm like, I'm like, you were talking all this shit, like saying to me that you're gonna uh, give a new style or something, and you got less time than you did last year. That's that's like that's like me saying, well, you know what, Black Cart Man, this podcast is gonna be different, and I don't let you say one word, and I cut you off every minute, and then I close the show like it like under thirty minutes, and that's just that wouldn't even make any sense. So. Um, so then we get to probably the worst <laughs> NXT takeover match in history. Would you agree um, with the second match, Blackheart? He must have a twin. Garbage heap. I'm sorry. Look at his. <laughs> look at his bitmoji. Look at his bitmoji. Listen, I, bitmoji doesn't got shit to do with this. What the no, fuck no, I'm no. doing right now? Fuck anyway, <laughs> worst <laughs> worst pay per view match, female division match ever. I will say this here. This My match was no, no. I will say this here. This Why match was literally you? the worst NXT takeover match I've ever seen. I won't say it's the worst match of the year because the WrestleMania like um, tag team <coughs> thing that. was that like the trash. worst of the year. But Zia Lee, Mercedes Martinez. It's seven minutes and thirty nine seconds. Um, <laughs> it's probably the shortest match as well in NXT takeover history, uh, according to standards. In in some ways. But this match did not have no love at the get go. There was the crowd didn't give a shit. I didn't give a shit. (laughs) Mercedes Martinez got applauded by like thirty people in the crowd. Zia Lee came out with her sword and shit. No one didn't give a shit. You know what this made me feel? This made me feel like an independent show, right? You go to an independent show and did the opening match. That was supposed to be the opening match. I will say this here though: Zia Lee came out. Literally in gear that you would want your future wife wearing in bed, because it literally looked like yeah. it literally looked like she was wearing lingerie in the ring. My watch my is more charged than my phone. It's not it's not wrong with that because because it actually did make oh, me pay attention to Zia Lee, but it's like but that's the type of gear that you would want your future wife wearing in bed whenever you're having sex with her. So to me, I did give like, me the towel, honey. Oh, you know what? I, I did like that. That's what kept me a part of this match. So, Why did my dad? <coughs> so, of course, this other match went. They were trading strikes in the ring. Zia Lee, oh, then on the outside, was kicking Mercedes Martinez and then she now. hit the ring post. I don't like that number. And then, of course, I kind of want to spend. Hit a cliffhanger for two. Uh, Allow whatever change it is, though. So, I can pull Zia Lee out of the ring, preventing further attack. Watch this. 
Martinez pushed him aside and countered a running attack with a back body drop on the floor. And then a cyclone kick from Zia Lee surprised for the Mercedes, um, for the win over Mercedes Martinez. Crowd didn't give a shit when the match was over, and Wade Barrett was really like, trying to put this match over, but there was no help in this. And then after the match, Bola threw a chair, and then she was going to use it, and then Mercedes Martinez kicked her in the legs from under her. Now, this was the overkill to the finish. Well, you know what this was? This is the perfect example of WWE like putting someone over and then right after just burying the shit out of them. because this is And the whole Zia Lee push is not even working for her. Well, how can it work, though, whenever you literally, after the match, get your ass whooped by Mercedes Martinez with a chair? But you're doing it week after week with no progression into her character. That's it. And then didn't one person get get abducted, and then what happened to her? They never follow up with that shit. I I, I just, I honestly honestly felt like, to me, they should have just did it where Mercedes Martinez just beats Eileen. This would be the worst soap opera ever. (laughs) I, I would have just had Mercedes Martinez just beat Zia Lee, and then Mercedes Martinez after the match just get beat up by the thousand year old woman. But instead, Mercedes Martinez has to beat up Lee and Boa with chair, and then the old thousand year old woman Mei Ying. Because for some reason, Vic Joseph kept confusing the shit out of me because I didn't know this was a stable called Tian Shaw. I thought the old woman was called Tian Shaw. But he kept saying Mei Ying and Tian Sha like right after each other. And I'm like, what the fuck is her name? So Mei Ying appeared at her throne on the ramp. And Mercedes Martinez said, I ain't afraid to whoop her ass. And she keeps hitting Zylee with the damn chair. And literally this thousand year old woman's just literally looking at her. And, and and trust me, I tell you, this woman's and the woman is, that plays this thousand year old woman is Karen Q, who broke her leg at an NXT house show two years ago. And is very good friends with Deanna Perrazzo and others. So, so that's if you guys want to ever find out who she is, go to her Instagram. Beautiful woman. Anyways, this thousand. Anyways, anyways, this poor woman has to act like she's a thousand years old and shit. And then she gets up, and Mercedes Martinez and her start walking slow, and then they walk slower, and then she puts her neck around Mercedes Martinez. Mercedes Martinez hits her with the chair. She doesn't sell it. And then the thousand-year-old woman just throws Mercedes Martinez like literally right off the ramp and right I into really the barricade. Let our snap streak die. I could kill this, him right this match was ass. This match was. And, and, and then the aftermatch just told me that I shouldn't have cared about Zia Lee because the thousand. This was two shifts in the toilet seat flush, right? This was two shifts in the toilet seat flush, and my toilet was clogged, and somehow I still got to take another shit again. That's overkilling my toilet. This is exactly what the fuck that we got last night. You know, but you know what? I'm gonna actually be really nice. I gave this match one star. Uh, Blackheart, fuck what did you, you do? Fuck the match. I give it negative five stars. I'm giving <laughs> it a trash heap. This shit should never even fucking existed on the pay per view. This was meant to be a TV, uh, a TV match. We didn't get a pay per view match, so I got robbed just like you got robbed. I I didn't get robbed because I saw Zion I got robbed. Lingerie. No, I, I got fucking robbed. The lingerie don't mean shit. I mean, listen, I just watched Minnie Rose and Dana Bra. I could have had a threesome with them. Oh god! <laughs> exactly my. You see, now you get my. Now you get my dress. Oh. 
I will say this here though. I'm not like a. I'm not heartless. I I will say though that these women actually did not get no love from the fucking fans. So so they didn't get so they didn't the, get any love with the whole seven minutes. They should say okay, we have the pay per view. We're gonna double the time. Give you guys like 12, 14 minutes. Just give us some shit. Give us some shit that we're gonna be proud of, or at least say well, at least they tried. Well, we didn't get none I, of that shit. Well, I'll tell you what, what should have actually replaced them should have actually been the Tommaso Ciampa and Thatcher versus Grizzled Young Veterans on this card because that actually would have been a great match. Yes. Instead, they just cut a promo. They said that in 48 hours they were going to show everyone how dangerous they are. And I actually and, – and to me, this actually kind of – Ciampa actually really looked like upset in this because Ciampa really did not want to cut some promo. Like, And I actually do agree with Ciampa, but I will say this here, though. I honestly thought they should have oh, actually been second on this card. If they if they had had this match instead of Zia Lee and Mercedes Martinez, and Zia Lee and Mercedes Martinez had this match on TV, it would have probably came off better so on bad. TV instead of on the <coughs> show. But um, before the match, um, before we get into our million-dollar championship ladder match, Ted DiBiase had a promo, and this was like a four-minute promo video. He discussed the history and legacy of the Million Dollar Championship. He said that everyone, yeah, that everyone has always wanted to hold this championship and that this championship represents honor, prestige, and is the most expensive championship in WWE's history. Um, I will say this here, though. I, I felt this was like a full of shit promo because... That's not a prestigious fucking belt. <laughs> That's a because, fucking because, prop. Exactly, and and even and even yeah, WWE has told you for the last thirty years that that championship was a prop. And I, I will say, I will say this here: if you're Shit, listen, like even Rob Van Dam kissed his feet for a hundred bucks. I, I will, I will say this here: if you were Conrad Thompson, because Conrad Thompson loves the million dollar championship belt, <laughs> then you would have actually loved this video. But if you were like me. You would have known that this video was full of shit, and you would have known Ted DiBiase was flying like a motherfucker. So we had the million dollar ladder, million dollar championship ladder match. Here's what I've heard from people: it was either the, and this is the perceptions I've gotten. It's not anything in the middle. It's just this is all in between. I've either heard this is the worst ladder match in Takeover history, or the non, um, craziest ladder match in history, which means like safest ladder match. What did you think of this match? This was the safest live match. Hey, this is the kid who took my ladder. Should I tell it, him? It, 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 it actually was. There were like two or three spots that they did on the ladder that were like dangerous. Then like LA Knight did the um, twisting net breaker on Cameron Grimes because he really hurt his elbow on that. And Cameron Grimes and looked like funny he hurt because... his neck. Did he, so, did he really hurt his elbow or is this a kayfabe injury? Well, no, 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 because L.A. Knight was really holding that elbow. Like, that elbow looked like it was starting to swell. So I'm guessing it should be fine. But And then, of course, the, the ladder bump at the end of the match was kind of like the, the hurt one as well. But but other than that, it really was it, – it, it was a good TV match. I will say that this is a two and three quarters, and L.A. Knight defeated Cameron Grimes, like I said, because in WWE, they're always going to have it where the babyface looks like he's going to win. And they don't give you what you want. They give you the heel that that's not over. So L.A. Knight won, and I'm not mad at L.A. Knight won at this match at all. Cameron Grimes actually tried to do high flying shit in this match, but to me, Cameron Grimes doing high flying shit looked like really uncomfortable because for some reason, I don't know if it's just the fact that you know he doesn't do it all the time, but 
it just didn't look like Cameron Grimes looked like he should and be doing. Like, like man, he was doing like a like a crazy dive off that top of the ladder on the outside of the Capitol Wrestling Center outside the ring. That shit didn't look like it looked like it would look cool if like a Raw Mendoza or Joaquin Wilde did it. I'm not trying to call Cameron Grimes fat. I'm just trying to say it just looked very unorthodox. There we go. Um, it was a lackluster and, match. Let's just let's get to the bottom of it. This was no point even giving this match a CPR, okay? This thing was dead when it even arrived. It was DOA, period. I, so it's so still the match. I will say, though, this match here was literally, at first, it was about impressing Ted DiBiase on the outside, and then they would have a, and then they would actually start wrestling, and then they would do some high-flying, and then they would do some ladder spots. And then, of course, here's what kind of made me, like, lower the star rating more, and I almost gave it, like, just two stars, but I did like the story behind it. There actually was a story. But here's the reason why I almost gave this match two stars. Because Cameron Grimes on the outside. I'm homeless, but I got money. Like, had L.A. Knight on the outside. He threw him outside of the ring. And then instead of actually just climbing the damn ladder, he wants the gold ladder at the top of the ramp and could have literally just climbed up the fucking ladder with the black one and had just won the damn championship. But instead, he wanted to take five extra minutes, and it was just like, man, I was like, you kidding me, right? And that was the only spot that really just like pissed me off. Um, finish well, those, saw that Knight tried to power bomb Cameron Grimes, and then uh, Grimes turned it into a hurricane. Grimes shouted to the moon, and the crowd, and the crowd actually is now saying to the moon chant, so that's good. And nearly reached the championship, but Knight pushed the ladder over and sent Grimes over the barricade. Um, and then Knight un- unhooked the championship um, belt in the box. So um, it was a two and three quarter star match to me. It was a good TV match. What did you think of this match? <laughs> you really want my opinion? You really want this? Yeah, I do want your opinion. <laughs> two shits in a toilet seat flush. Sorry, Dukes. That's the second time I got to use your mind. No, this was just no. This this was the worst. Of any live match in NXT history, but this also was the safest one too. It's like they blended in both things. So, uh, listen for a pay per view. I'm expecting you to go full out. I'm expecting you to go all out. This is where the money comes into play. Do you not? Do you not understand? Self care is officially over. We're doing Jared's again. Well, Jared's whatever. <laughs> but in this, but in this magnitude of this. Million dollar wrestling match. The only, only reason why they didn't try to go after no ladder is because they wanted to go for that one specific ladder that was the gimmick ladder. I guess as as, as they were called. They didn't really take this match seriously to me. They didn't. It, it 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 didn't make me feel like they both wanted it. It didn't make me feel like I should care for the championship because it's on a ladder. You know what I'm saying? And with Ted DiBiase just sitting out there, reminded me of Mike Tyson sitting out there for that TNT championship fight. I will say Ted DiBiase is like a one of these older wrestlers that doesn't like it when like his spies like blown and shit and what happened and there and this was like close to the end of the match. LA Knight and like Cameron Grimes, I guess, did like when Cameron Grimes did that like did that dive off the top of that ladder on the outside. And he like landed on LA Knight. Him and LA Knight were like mutating, like right in front of the hard camera, and Ted DiBiase kind of looked pissed off. <laughs> so Ted was like starting to look like really pissed off. He's like, he's like, I know these motherfuckers ain't talking like during a fucking match. Like I know they ain't. Like, um, 
But but I thought it was just a good TV match. I mean, LA Knight wins. I mean, I mean, I guess we're gonna keep having LA Knight Cameron Grimes as a feud, which is either gonna be terrible or it's good or it's gonna be bad. Ho- hopefully, this is like the end of Ted DiBiase and like LA Knight actually makes something out of this title. But I don't know. I honestly don't. It's know. not. It's a prop. Watch it. I give it two weeks before that thing disappears. That it, yeah, it could be like how Reginald is on Monday Night Raw. He comes one week and then he's gone the next, so you never know. <laughs> uh, Todd Pettigill tried to advertise the WWE shop, and then he was interrupted by Hit Row, and then Hit Row was plugging their new song "Now You Know," and like Hit Row said, like, "Oh, we know that you got something to listen to on this." And Todd Pettigill's like, "Yeah, like so, like <laughs> um, this is actually probably the funniest Todd Pettigill segment of the night because Hit Row actually did carry him." in this so so I did like that but other than that no um NXT Women's Champion it was Raquel Gonzalez defeating Ember Moon 12 minutes 40 seconds um very good match um to me it was very good match here's what I liked about the here's what I liked about this they gave Ember Moon a lot in this match and they you know gave her a lot to um to this Raquel Gonzalez did look like a little like a little decent at times, but then she did get it into the rhythm. But I gave this a three and a quarter match. It wasn't bad. It was just, you know, a good match. What I did not like, though, was Dakota Kai did all this interference and kept doing interference. And even in the replay, it's just literally in the replay interference. And, like, they kind of, like, took more focus on Dakota Kai and um, Shotzi Blackheart than they did in the finish of this match. But Raquel won. Um, Anyways, bringing in Tavon Jameson as well. Tavon, what's up, man? How did you um, enjoy TakeOver? Tavon! uh, How you doing, guys? Uh, Yeah, I enjoyed TakeOver. Well, um, well, we got into well, I just got into the um, Amber Moon Raquel Gonzalez match, and I'm gonna go ahead and take it to you two guys now. What did you guys think of this match, and did you have a star rating for this match? I gave I gave the Raquel Gonzalez match a three three and a quarter as well. Okay. Um, didn't really blow my skirt up. It got some action in. The Kai obviously was gonna play a factor into it. So Raymond, we see. Anyone of that nature walk, I mean, walk out there and they haven't been thrown out, you know they're going to be part of the finish to some some type of degree. Um, but Ember Moon, of course, she's, of course she's always been a good worker. I just didn't feel like they really just threw her in this match just to fill up because they just trying to protect somebody to have a bigger match for the next takeover for, I'm guessing, SummerSlam will have to be the next one. So whoever that person may be is going to be like a big fight field. So I felt like this was a filler match. It wasn't really going to change hands, obviously. But they but they gave me something to enjoy better than the last two matches, though, I'll say. So and NXT, tell Vince McMahon to stop putting the hand in the putty thing. Like, I know how to do this, too. And I'm like, yeah, we know how you do it, but you're killing something that some of us actually like as an alternative. Don't keep your fingers on it. Keep your fingers over there on Raw and SmackDown. Just don't do the NXT. Let your son-in-law and one of your best co-workers do it. Taylor, what was your thoughts? It was a decent match. Um, the co- I mean, Raquel um, held her own against Ember. Um, Ember also held her own against Raquel. 
as well. I did like that um that one spot. That one spot where um where Kale did that twisting Raider Raider bomb. That looked cool. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You mean the one arm power bomb, and then like cradled her for the two? No, no. It was like it was like it was on the corner, the corner turnbuckle, and she like got on the. Oh, I I, the I know stick. what you're talking about. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. It, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and and um, I did like I did like that spot. That was actually a really good spot. But but it was like what I predicted though. Like Ember Moon was going to actually get like a lot of chance to shine in this match, and they were going to give her a lot of near falls. And there really were some good spots where she looked like she had like the good roll ups and stuff like there. And I did like that, but. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, but we kind of all knew that Raquel was going to win, but we all knew Ember was going to have a good showing in this match because the whole point was to get Ember over and at least after this match, at least make Ember look like she could have won it. So oh, um, this was no reverse. This was supposed to make Raquel Gonzalez look like a beast, but Ember Moon should have, like you know, they should have. Booked it a little bit better where Raquel could have been more of her moveset instead of trying to play advantage of the other opponent, is what I felt. Because hmm. if, if she's supposed to be the powerhouse, she got to sell like a big person. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I've seen other stuff that's outside the moveset because you try to accommodate. That's not playing the part. Um, I, I, Tavon, I did want to ask you this here, though, because... Um, and it, what was your thoughts on the? And I, I gotta ask you this here: the Zia Lee Mercedes uh, Martinez match. Me and Blackheart uh, already discussed dog. this, but uh, I wanted to ask you your opinions dog. on this here. Did you wow. think Zia Lee's like outfit that she wore looked like something that like your future wife should wear when she's having sex with you in bed? Because because I'm telling you, fan size about her late night. But I, I will say though, when she came out with that gear, I was like, "Damn!" I said, "I said, man, she got my attention for this match." Like the match was shit, but I, I still paid attention. Like I was, I'm paying attention, motherfucker. If you got good gear on, I'm like, I'm like, okay. I said, I see, I see this. I see Sally, but um, I, I will say, I will, I, I will ask this here though. Um, but like Tavon, what was your thoughts like on the post match and stuff? Because I said that this was like oh my the way. God. They bury someone like literally, <laughs> like it didn't even make no sense. I even this match. Ooh, and they made that thousand year old woman. Yes, it was. <laughs> Come on, hit me with you. Tell me the truth. It was, like, <laughs> it was, it was it. kind of whatever, I guess. I mean, Mercedes just beats the crap out of Zaya. And then you know, he puts that girly ass is like on, tries talking to Tiensha, and Tiensha just puts her down <laughs> below <laughs> that area, and yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of it, I suppose. I mean, I guess the feud continues. Oh God! Well, well it's not going to be the thousand-year-old woman in Mercedes Martinez now, so. But well, what no if it's no? But but what if? But what if? What if is a big question? That's a big question. Well, I, well here, here's here's the thing about the thousand year old woman. What if, She's paid sixty thousand dollars a year, so she isn't going to be sense. wrestling that much. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so, so and 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 she doesn't have to look at the hard camera, so that's a good thing. 
Uh, bring it in someone who doesn't catch them all and probably doesn't know the <laughs> same as back. Hey, we're speaking to. Hey, what's up? What's up? How you been? <laughs> we're speaking to at. <laughs> Nowhere to be found right now. <laughs> damn, he, damn, he's locked up in the Pokeball, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how about this here? Ash, did you see NXT TakeOver? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. All, right, all right. Well, guess what we're getting into? Um, we're going to be getting into another Todd Pettigill segment that comedy aired. How are they going to do like karate like that, with Dexter Loomis. And literally, Todd Pettigill doesn't watch the damn show. So he asked Dexter Loomis, how's the women treating you these days? So Loomis booked <laughs> the game and smashed Todd Pettigill's um, little toy in hand. And Todd Pettigale said that he won. And then July 6th on USA Tuesday will be NXT TakeOver. Or, well, sorry, the NXT Great American Bash, which is yeah. like a TakeOver show. Um, anybody happy about the Great American Bash July 6th? Or no? It's just a TV show? I think, yeah, it's just a regular TV show that they're trying to. It's that EW I mean, effect. It's a, a callback like. to. Um... WCW and of course WWE of course. I mean, See, this is a slap in the face of Cody Rhodes and the Rhodes family, and they're still progressing with this. The same way how there's the progressive war games. I, I will say to me, it's just. I mean, this should be a really good card, and it's going to be probably like a takeover quality card. Like, I don't know if there's actually going to be a title change because last year we had the double title change and everything with Keith Lee, but when Keith Lee won the double titles, it it was. But then two weeks later, he just gave up the North American title. So, well, that's well, that's because that's a company's fault for that one. You can't really blame it on him. True, true, but this thing too, you also what you call it couldn't blame you know the um one of those Indu share guys you know spoiling the finish of that match that AW's um on BTE they you know they made fun of them like so so I will say that but um but yeah I mean the Great American Bash should be it actually really should be a takeover part it really should be. NXT's be lineup tomorrow night, are, though, will like, be Champa and Thatcher taking on the Grizzly Young Veterans in a Tornado Tag Team match. And a Kushida Cruiserweight Open um, Challenge for the Cruiserweight Championship. So, really nothing to really write home about for Tuesday's show except the main event of Champa and Thatcher versus Grizzly Young Veterans. And we get into our main event. It's the NXT Championship Fatal Five-Way. Before I get into anything of talking... What was everybody's star ratings on this match? I'm going to go ahead with mine. I gave it four and two quarters. It's not five stars, but it was a four and two quarter match. Oh, never mind. Um, what about you guys, Tavon? I thought that was his hair. Um, I'll give it four stars. Ooh. Ooh. Ash? Um, I'll, I would say about four and a half. I okay. enjoyed it. Okay. I really enjoyed it. I'll say four. I'll say four out of five stars. Well, I, well, now we can get into the spots show because this was literally insane spot fest from start to finish. Crowd wasn't as hot for this match, like for some reason at the start, but they did get into it. And thank goodness and they Pete did. Dunn coming up with the the bun B. I mean, um, the Pimp C drip. You see the little photo? 
um, do a fur little jacket that like he got. I was like, okay, then. All white, cocaine, white, everything, shit. I see. Yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, I will. I, I will say though, you know, of course the match, of course the entrances. Um, Johnny Gargano, you know, paid homage to Shawn Michaels, you know. Um, but before he actually came out, Amber Moon, Shotzi, and we're fight. We're trying to fight Dakota and Raquel and Ray William Regal had to break up another fight. So, so then of course we had you know Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne. Like you said, Pete Dunne came out with the drip, and of course. Carrying Cross. Now, this match literally to me was it was it was really great. And this is what I loved about this match. And this and these are some things I did not like. Here's the things I did love that Carrying Cross looked super strong, but he also made sure to put everyone over. He was also oh. making sure to put everyone over in this. You know, like he took everybody's hardest bumps. You know, um, give credit to Carrying Cross. You know, he got thrown through the door. He got put through an announce table that did not break, which probably hurt like an MF. Wow, because shit. when those announce tables don't break, they, they really and, – and and they didn't take off none of the stuff for it. So um, I didn't know if if Karrion Cross or Adam Cole's got like this kayfabe thing going, but boy, did Cross really want to like whoop Cole's ass. Like everything he hit on Cole was stiff as hell. I don't know if it was supposed to look like that, but it looked stiff as hell. Um and, and and here's what I did not like about this match here. I felt like they didn't really establish anyone to really beat Cross. Maybe Cole could have did it because they really, you know, but like O'Reilly choked out the end. Pete Dunne, whenever he snapped um, Cross's fingers, still almost got choked out. Gargano, of course, hit was hitting super kicks left and right, and that wasn't even enough. Um, and, and, and it really, and really now we've carried crosses now beating all the guys. So, you know, now I don't know what's next for cross is a next challenger, but what did you guys think of this match? And we'll just go ahead and start with everybody. I'll go first with this one. So, you know, this is, this is, this is going to maybe have a Jim Cornette moment. How in the fuck did you just bury four people in one match? How? How is that fucking possible? You know what you just did? They basically said, those four right here that you faced basically got squashed the fuck up. One person, as as Z has said it earlier, if you look at the, um, the psychology of the match, he did take the biggest bumps. But also, everyone else is known for the crazy, usual high spots that they normally do anyway, especially at takeovers. So you know people like Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne, um... And Johnny Gargano are all going to show out for that. So I so I was expecting anything left from that. But the booking situation right here is Kerry Cross just defeated five people. So as he says, who's who's going to be left? We we already see Finn Balor three times. Walter. I mean that's I mean that's only if he wants to do it, and if they want to do it as a booking decision, and he'll be a first ever double champion. Because there's no way Walter will lose. Yeah, because I don't see anyone um, beating Cross. Like, there's absolutely nobody left on that top roster of NXT that's still alive to face Kerry Cross. So now, NXT just backed themselves into a corner. Now, how are they going to get out of this? Huh. You got some explaining to do. You got some explaining to do. Tavon, Ash, what was your guys' thoughts? Ash, you can go first. Yeah, he just yeah, he looked very dominant. Um 
And yeah, like Blackheart was saying, yeah, they they put themselves in a hole because there's really no one. He's beaten everybody on on NXT. So the only realistic match you could possibly do is Walter if he decides. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Mm. Um. I thought it was a great match. It's easily a classic. Cross did well with pretty much everybody. Everybody pretty much did well in this match. And yeah, I'll agree with Ash and Blackheart on this one. I mean, Cross, I mean, not gonna lie. If they didn't did this Fatal 5-way, they, they, Cross could have easily had, easily had good, great matches with all of them in, individually instead of all at once. And now that he's beating them all at once, it's like, man, I mean, what's next for Cross? I mean, I mean, the, I mean, like, the only way that they could have done this right is if they would have did, like, a fail five-way elimination match. Yeah. Yeah, we could have said, like, Kyle O'Reilly getting eliminated by Adam Cole. That progresses that story. So at least yeah. they got something to do for later. And then whoever that loses the carry across last will probably be the next person to get a, a, a potential rematch. And that's the way that you can bridge that story to go off to. But they didn't do that. I, I will say, though, that they look like they're going to keep um, the Kyle Riley adam Cole view going. And, you know, for guys like Pete Dunne, it, it, Pete Dunne's really going to be like the big one that I don't know what's really next for him now. In all honesty, because I know they're not going to give him another title match. And Johnny Gargano, I mean, Gargano's going to be fine anyway because he's in the comedy shit with The Way and The Way is yeah. like in that comedy shit with the Dexter, Loomis, Indy, Hartwell stuff. So I'm not as worried about that. But, you know, like for someone like Pete Dunne, he really probably, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, it's kind of like rough for him. But, you know, uh, you know, O'Reilly and Cole still look like that feud's just going to continue to me. I don't know why. But, but I will say this here, though. NXT really cannot blame themselves if the ratings don't go up or not because here's the thing. Now you're really going to be giving everybody the same feud again because if we're getting O'Reilly Cole again, it's already a feud that we've already seen on TV with a definitive finish. If, you know, we've already seen Karrion Cross can beat all four of these men, so that's not to worry about. And also, you know, if – and also, you know, what's – you know, so it, so to me, this really looked like to me – like NXT's really got themselves in a booking snafu, and I don't know how they get out of it. But here's the thing, though: at least if I will say this, if this was AEW and AEW did this shit, we would have so many people like saying, "Oh, AEW doesn't give a shit, and they just scared everybody," you know. But but with WWE, they have this thing of thirty years that they've been doing all this bullshit, and you know, the next few for Karrion Cross really won't matter because here's the thing: everybody will just be like. Well, you know, we'll you know we'll just be talking about how Karrion Cross is going to kill this guy. So, betting odds for this though, Karrion Cross was the favorite at minus eleven hundred before this match. Yes, because they're actually you can actually bet on WWE matches. It's just on very very weird sites. Yeah. Um, Adam Cole was the favorite at plus fifteen hundred. Gargano was a favorite at plus eleven hundred. Pete Dunne was tied at eleven hundred, and Kyle O'Reilly was a plus two fifty. So, um, 
And then after the mat, and then after the show, we had William Regal get interviewed by Mackenzie Mitchell, which I'm surprised it was not Todd Pettigale, but that just shows you how much they let Todd Pettigale. So, you know, Mackenzie Mitchell said, Mr. Regal, what was your thoughts on the show after tonight? And William Regal's got a tear in his eye, and he's like, I've been doing this for seven years. He said, I've never seen so much Bethlehem. He said, maybe it's time for a change, and he walks off. And so now it's commute. It's Q Joe, 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 because more than likely Samoa Joe's coming in to be the new NXT general manager commissioner um, role, um, guys. So, what, what was your what's your thoughts on Joe, the Joe, 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 Joe? So, 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 guys, what was your thoughts on the William Regal basically saying it's over? And what did you guys think of William Regal as a general manager on NXT? Greatest one ever. Yeah, I, I love William Regal. Yeah. I will say this here. He actually is probably going to go down as probably one of the best authority figures in WWE's history. Probably second best, like right behind Eric Bischoff. Ew. Um, what? Hey, Eric Bischoff. Hey, Eric Bischoff was entertaining as hell. He really okay, was. well, you can point at number four. Ew. Eric Bischoff at number one in your list? You must be smoking, y'all. You must be smoking some crack. I, 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 See, I blame you, Sasha, for that quote. <laughs> I said Regal was two, but but as far as, far as like, <coughs> leave me alone. But you said Regal was one. How in the fuck is that possible? Because because I watched Monday Night Raw all those Regal segment with Crime and, Time, and, bro. And Raw was fun as hell with Eric Bischoff as the GM. It was even the trial. Of Where's the Teddy Long on your list? Teddy Long was a good manager. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something, player. Fourth. Right, at least right, at least he would be a little bit above Eric Bischoff. No, Eric Bischoff to me is uh, number one because here's why: because when Eric Bischoff's last night in the company on Raw, the trial of Eric Bischoff, which by the way I saw that show live in South Carolina. Oh, wow. I love the trial of Eric Bischoff. That shit made me laugh so much. Okay, and, so this is a personal and, and, thing with you. Well, <laughs> well, not only well, not only that, I even showed my grandmother it on. Like Saturday, because on USA they used to show like a, re- a, a reduced version of Raw, and they showed all of the Eric Bischoff stuff. And even my grandmother loved the trial of Eric Bischoff, and she even loved that he got his ass like F two. And then even my grandmother's boss came in at the convenience store and even started laughing when Eric Bischoff's ass got thrown into the garbage thing. So no, it's actually so actually so actually I actually did like that. So uh, so and the trial of Eric Bischoff to me is the greatest thing I've ever seen. It's actually one of the best produced things I've ever seen in WWE's history. So that's why Bischoff's number one. But I will say, though, William Regal, without a doubt, um, yeah. probably he the greatest was... NXT. You know, go ahead. Yeah, William Regal. He, like, even like when he was a wrestler, like, his segments, backstage segments, were entertaining as well. Yeah. Um, I, I, will, I will say, though, I will miss William Regal if this is, like, his last. Yeah. Takeover or last NXT show. Um, I'm pretty sure his last NXT show will be too. That William Regal would still be in NXT as far as um, doing a, you know, just doing backstage stuff, just not on TV. So, so, so I'm not so so it's not nothing to worry about. So you know, but but it, but it will be sad missing uh, William Regal on TV. I will say though that they'll probably still bring back William Regal for for certain events. Like because WWE is just known for doing that, they, they yeah. always are going to. So, 
Um, but that was takeover. Um, rating. Um, we're gonna go from one to uh, ten. Ten being the greatest, one being the worst. What was your guys' number? Hey, you're takeover? being too generous, man. <laughs> I said one to ten. I never I said know, one to ten. I know. That's what I know. Like that's what I'm saying. Like you should show the bar to like at one or five stars in total. Well, I, well, I'm gonna say that the show overall was about a seven out of ten. Anybody else? Tavon, Ash. Uh, I'll give, I'll give Takeover in Your House a six. I mean, the show was all right. It was okay, but. Of course, like I've said with, like, feuds like Raquel and Ember and Zaylee and Mercedes Martinez to a certain extent, they they did wash this pay-per-view. They, they really did. Ash, what was your thoughts on the number? I give it, yeah, like a solid seven. Like, it was good for the most part, but... I, I, I was surprised by the Cameron Grimes losing. I thought he was really gonna win that match. Yeah, me too. And and I want um, uh, to <laughs> I, I, I will say I, I was I will say this here though. I was right though, because WWE always gives you they always try to make it seem like, you know, the that baby face is gonna win and then they swerve you. Yeah, and they, they swerve they, yeah. they, they, they they did and and that was just that. Uh, Blackheart, what was your thoughts on the number? What'd you uh, give it? I, I'll give it a solid six. Some people here be a little bit too generous when it comes to this whole oh, thing. So, so oh I got a question. God. So I got I to question someone's grades. I got to question someone's um, scorecard. But, I mean, for a takeover, I mean, I will honestly say last year's takeover was better than this one. The WrestleMania one was definitely better. Yeah, last year's takeover in your house was better than this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was. I will admit, NXT takeover. And the whole thing with wrestling shows is if you can't follow up, like say like this, you can't follow the previous WrestleMania before that, that you should not even be booking this thing. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, so, but 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 I, the reason I also gave it a, a seven as well. Was because of Zaylee's gear. So, so, so Black Heart. See, I knew there's a fixation to that. See, man, <laughs> your scorecard is tampered. It's not tampered. It's, it's <laughs> Listen, man, this is tampering, show. dog. I'm, yo, man, I'm causing tampering charges. I, I will say this here. I will say this here. Whenever I get married, which everybody's right to my wedding on this, but whenever I get married, I'm buying that gear that Zaylee wore. For my wife on her wedding night, I'm buying that. I'm buying that shit. Literally, that's some Mortal Kombat shit right there. That I like. So, so, I, so mean, I, don't, hey, I don't. I mean, if the matches is was bad, hey, at least they wore something good. Exactly. See, see, even Tavon gets it. See, <laughs> see, what? That's like, like wait, no, time out. No, wait, wait, wait. That's like telling me that Sable coming out. That's um, like telling me um, Eva Marie. Just look at her. And oh my god. Yeah, that's even worse. No, I meant like Sable coming up with the black paint handprint over her tits and shit. Okay, but Sable Sable always looked old to me, man. Sable just always looked old to me, man. That's why Sable wasn't good. Blame the hair. Damn, look good. He was wrong about the clippers, bro. 
I know. I know. The Clippers are up like by 18 right now, and Paul George's last two games have actually um, proved Blackheart <laughs> wrong. Blackheart said he wanted to see Indiana Paul George, and now Dang. he's getting it. Yeah, now you're getting it. <laughs> I know, right Ooh. now. About time for someone to actually pay attention to the people. How about that? <laughs> I guess they like being down 0-2. I think that's what it is. I guess they do. As I say, they love to play from behind. I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand why the Clippers have to play like Shoshay the first two games, and then games three and four they come out playing with like their backs against. They, the wall, you like. can't do this against the Suns though. Nope. No. no in no, that third quarter, and, and, and that shit ain't gonna work against the Suns. It's just not. Um, how about this year though? Um, we get to Monday Night Raw tonight. Did everybody watch Monday Night Raw tonight? I did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I saw bits and pieces. Surprisingly, I have to sit through three hours worth of crap. But yes. <laughs> I, I will say though, to me, this rock show actually felt like really light to get through for some reason. I don't know why. It just felt like probably well, because it, it's a go home watching. edition too, how in the cell, so they have to try to do something to get you to watch it. Yeah, I I will say though that you know the show opened up with Alexa Bliss at her playground. She said she received some strongly worded complaints about what Lily <laughs> did last week. Um, I, I will say they were like, you know, I will say they were that strongly worded, but um, they were probably some um, not flattering words. There we go. After um, showing like the same replay of Shayna Baszler stomping the doll, being freaked out, scared to death, etc. Um, Bliss said that she put Lily on timeout. Nijax showed up and said Bliss um, um, Nijax just showed up and said Shayna Baszler would be there at Hell in a Cell to face her and Bliss was excited then Jax told her to cut the crap and asked what happened to the real ex Bliss who used to be her friend Bliss said that they were never friends and Jax challenged her to a match um, Bliss pretended to be upset and then giggled and accepted the match you know fun fact do you guys know how the feud was actually supposed to go for Nijax and Alexa Bliss like um, three no. years ago Okay. 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 Well, I can actually tell you this here. Enzo Amore, who was in WWE, had said that the storyline was like when Nia Jax was, you know, falling for Enzo. Yeah. And this what happened. Enzo said that Vince came to him one day and they were in a meeting. And Vince said that, look here, we're going to have Nia Jax, you know, fall in love with you. And then we're going to show a segment on Raw where Enzo went into Alexa Bliss's rocker room and they start making out. Oh, like, oh, and, my God. And, they they and, missed that opportunity, man. They and then, missed that opportunity. And then Alexa we were Bliss going, could have been the next Trish Stratus right there, man. It could have been an AJ. And, and, then what, and then what would happen next would have been that Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax would have feuded at WrestleMania. And, you know, so that was the whole point of that. Of course, Enzo doesn't get that because... Yeah, Enzo was, was released because of fake allegations uh, due to rape. How, however, oh, how, God, how, however, however, though <laughs> he did have it coming because he didn't make a lot of friends in that locker room, and that entire year WWE even played up on TV that he was kicked off a tour bus by Roman Reigns. Yeah, so oh, yeah, that in a locker room too. Exactly. So, so it wasn't like you know, so it wasn't like you know Enzo had the best of friends. However, no. this how. So then, of course, you know, I, I will say, though, the Nia Jax, Alexa Bliss, though, they actually do work really well together. They actually got good chemistry for some reason. They really do. I wish that they would actually be a tag team because because I think they would really that work out better. really good yes, together. That would have been much better, them as a team, because they're real-life friends, too. So 
exactly, yeah. exactly. But but what doesn't make any sense though is like Nia Jax going up to defend Shayna Baszler's honor and knowing that Shayna Baszler and her weren't even getting along, and Shayna Baszler actually got sick of Nia Jax. So I didn't understand that. But so then, so then of course the announcers, you know, ran down tonight's card, which included Rhea Ripley against Oscar for what the nine hundredth time, I guess. Yeah. And then we start off the show with Nikki Cross defeating Charlotte Flair. And guess what, guys? A count out in yep. eight minutes. Because Charlotte was so stupid as fuck. That's Monday Night Raw. And, and, and the distraction came after, you know, Cross. And it was, it was just literally Charlotte Flair got pissed off at Rhea Ripley on the outside. And after Charlotte literally whooped Nikki Cross's ass. And she just starts trash talking Rhea Ripley, and the ref goes eight, nine, ten, and I didn't even think Nikki Cross made it back in the ring because she got like crossbody, and then she made it back in. So then, of course, you, I have to hear Jimmy Smith say, "Oh my God, Nikki Cross with the fourth win in the fourth week in a row." And, I, and, and I'm like, I'm like, what the hell are you even talking about? Like, she's just been like, I said, this ain't fucking wins at all. So then Charlotte Flair gives her a boot. Charlotte Flair whoops her ass till Rhea Ripley hits a riptide. And I will say this here, the match, though, for commentary, though, because Corey Graves had to do all the play-by-play. So this is what Jimmy Smith kept doing, because Jimmy Smith doesn't even know what the fuck a Tornado DDT was. This is what Jimmy Smith said. Oh, my God. And then, and then, and then, it, goes, and then it goes again, like, oh, Bring my back God. Her. And then he's like, and then he's, and then he's like oh, my God. <laughs> We're going to need a boat. <laughs> bring back the I will say I will say this here though. I understand Jimmy Smith doesn't know every wrestling move. But when you don't even know any moves in this women match and they're like simple as hell, what the hell are you even doing? I'm like like he didn't get one damn thing right. He did play court games did all the play by play and Jimmy Smith is just saying, Oh my god, in like four different ways. He's like Oh my god! He's like, uh, like, and like Jimmy Smith just like laid back on the commentary. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with Jimmy Smith? <laughs> like, I, was, I honestly thought that Jimmy Smith was like lies more to say that at one point because I'm just like, because he just kept saying that so much throughout this damn show, especially in the tag team match between RK Bro and Kofi and um, Xavier, which which should have been like some easy fucking wrestling moves to at least fucking say. And, 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 like, no offense, that's easy fucking wrestling words to say because it's not like Randy Orton's doing, like, spot fest. Randy Orton does simple, basic wrestling. Simple moves, yeah. Exactly. So, simple so, yet effective. But, but I will say the only thing I liked about this um, was I got to see Rhea Ripley's beautiful face. If I didn't see Rhea Ripley's beautiful face and her hit the <laughs> riptide, I did not give two fucks about this. Um, so then we had uh, Riddle backstage talking to Jeff Hardy. Hardy said, and Riddle asked Jeff Hardy, you know, a great question. He's like, what does make a great team? And Hardy said that you a great team depends on trust. He's... Down and Hardy left by the time he was done talking. Orton showed up. And then Riddle said, Randy, how do you feel about Elton John? And Randy's like, what? He's like, never mind. <laughs> so, then, so then Orton um, so then, um, Orton said that Riddle doesn't need to go out there and act like Randy Orton. He needs to be like Riddle. He said, wherever the hell that means. And Riddle said, does this mean we're friends? And Randy said, no. 
It's so, so, <laughs> so I actually will give credit on the honesty. So. John Morrison, Jeff Hardy, uh, under three minute match. John Morrison literally before this match hit Jeff Hardy with a dripstick because I guess now the new thing in WWE is you have to sh- sell water like it's acid. So Jeff Hardy got um, splashed with the dripstick and John Morrison. This year, though, we don't need Jimmy Smith on commentary. We actually need Corey Graves, Miz, and Byron Saxton because Miz did way, way better than Jimmy Smith. Or like, Miz was literally putting John Morrison over. No one hasn't put John Morrison over in like ten years. Miz is like doing a great job <laughs> on commentary, and Jimmy Smith in this match is just saying. Oh my god! Like I'm just like, I'm just like, it's a three minute match, and that's all you can say to, to John Morrison when he hit the starship paint. I was just like, Corey Graves had to call the play by play, and even Byron Saxton had to come call some play by play in it too. Like all Jimmy Smith did was just say, "Oh my god!" I was just like, "What the hell is this?" So, <laughs> so then of course those old ECW tapes, <laughs> exactly. And then so then after the match, Cedric Alexander. Um, cut this very bad promo. He said, he said, he said, Hardy was disrespectful for being a sore winner, whatever the hell that means. And then Alexander said he was sorry they didn't kick Hardy's ass into a retirement home. Hardy grabbed a mic and said, I'll retire right now if you can beat me. Of course, Cedric can't because Cedric loses in 250 to Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy, of course, wins with the Swanton Bomb. Um, Cedric Alexander almost did try, a, a, almost hit a beautiful Swanton Bomb, but of course, Jeff blocked it. And it was actually the only finish that Jimmy Smith actually got right. He called the twist of fate and Swanton right. I was like, I said, congratulations, Jimmy actually called a wrestling move right. Thank you. I don't know why it took him like 40 minutes into the show to call some wrestling, but. What's the play-by-play commentator work that you can't even call this? So, so That's then, the whole point. Um, Why the fuck was he even high? Exactly. Uh, so then, of course, we go to our third straight squash match. Our third straight on the show. And it's Naomi comes out. She's getting ready to face Eva Marie. Psych. It's Piper Nivet from NXT UK, who is the former Viper of indie wrestling in um, ICW, except she can't be called Viper because there's a guy on Mondays that's called that. So, of course, yeah. the commentators don't know who the fuck she is. Um, Jimmy Smith's like, whoever she is, she's dominating a former oh, women's champion. Piper Niven is. Exactly. And, 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 th- and this match actually made me think, Man, when I see Tavon, Tavon's going to be really upset because because I felt like I actually, felt like Tavon's... actually I wasn't necessarily upset. I was like shocked. I was like, wow, Piper Niven is with Eva Marie. Like I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe and, it. Either. I can't even believe that she actually got herself a heater. Well, 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 I, well, I actually, well, I was actually like, here's the thing: the match only lasted a minute, so I can't judge this match. But I will say though that you know. I didn't expect even Marie to actually have a match because because no offense they're gonna save her first match when they have a crowd back. Wait a minute, but Piper, I... but Piper, but Piper Nivet though, I will give credit right here. You know she did look dominant, and I was and I hope they and I hope they don't give her like some bad name because I have a feeling whenever they like don't know oh no one's God. name, they're I, gonna change I've been the name. Hearing that they were gonna name her Goo Drop, like what is that? Exactly, and we only don't give me a name like that. 
I will say, but I will say what I did like though about you know about the um, Piper Nivet though. I, I am glad that we got to see an NXT UK person, you know, and and I, and Piper Nivet to me. Um, I will say this here. I do. I I actually got pissed off at fans because the fans were actually making fun of Piper Nivet, you know, for her body and stuff. Oh, you know, yeah. first off, first first off, first off, let's let's not do that, man. Um, beautiful woman, you know. Of course, you know, and, and and yes, and yes, I do stalk her Instagram. So yeah, but very beautiful woman, very beautiful. <laughs> well, at least we know so, two things tonight. Exactly, oh, exactly. We know a lot about me. I'm a I'm a weird motherfucker. So he um, likes laundry. Um, no, I can mean worse. I can mean oh something that may way worse, but I want to throw my man's under the bus like that. Yeah. Um, and then of course, um, of course, after the match, Eva Marie grabbed the microphone and Marcus said that Max she won the match. Like I can. And Piper Nivitz literally just celebrating because she doesn't even <laughs> care that crazy. Eva Marie said that she won the match. So, um, way to bury a new person though on the first night in though, because they they've already established that Piper Nivitz not going to be. The fixture of this team, and even if Piper Nivet has matches, she's not going to get credit for the big match. My ankles are the same way. Like, there's like nothing. Um, So then we had Blackheart's favorite segment of the night, which I don't know why, but he it was Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke doing a photo shoot, and it's a generic photo shoot. Doing it. I mean, Uh, Rose. mm, I mean, I mean, they they not in my top ten of women right now. I go judge nobody. Um, wink, wink. Uh, See, already you lie to the people. Uh, <laughs> I'm like a bug. Well, Mandy Rose and Dan Brooke are like doing this photo shoot, and I guess, and I guess like they got pissed off because Natalia and Tamina were actually like training in the ring, like right nearby. So I guess like this is, I guess this was the part where Blackheart got pissed off too. Like, why are these women trading like so loud? So, so then of course. Um, Natalia told them that if they concentrated on how good they looked, they would actually take the champions. And Rose and Brooks wait till my shit in the right. Actually got like upset and said, "Well, if your last name wasn't in uh, WWE Hall of Famer, you guys wouldn't have any of these opportunities neither." So then they said, "You want to get in the ring and fight?" And they actually got in the ring and actually fought. And then and then and then they and then of course we only had one official and one ref break it up. So. So then second hour starts, uh, Kevin Patrick interviews Drew McIntyre, and McIntyre says that he's going to refer to Bobby Lashley as Trashley. He said that he was ready for AJ Styles tonight, and then he gave a um, stupid British story about some guy named William Wallace, um, and we don't need to get warned to that. And then McIntyre told Kevin Patrick to bugger off. Riddle and Randy Orton taking on Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston. 21 minutes, 46 seconds these men got, and it was actually... A great match. A very great match on Monday. Really was. Um, what was your guys' thoughts on this match? Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Blackheart? I'm it was better than what I saw this far in the current hour, so yes. I was pleased. I was actually kinda of shocked by he's like you gotta look at Neil in the haste that to get one good thing out of Monday Night Raw. Just one. Just one and make it work. <laughs> Yeah, I, I will. I will say though, I actually really like this. I really like this match. I love the finish of this match, even in the replay, because the replay is really where it tells it the most. Xavier Woods tagged himself in, um, almost got RKO'd, countered. Xavier Woods almost gets an honor roll, almost does, 
and Randy Orton hits a beautiful RKO. It looks so sweet in the replay. It really, really looked sweet in the replay. Randy Orton wins um, with Orton. Um, and like I said, really great match. Um, what you call it? Um, but yeah. Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm just texting somebody. Anyways, very disrespectful. Um, but um, next up we got um, so the next up we got backstage segment. Sarah Schreiber um asked Rhea Ripley about Charlotte. Ripley said Charlotte should be focused on their match on Sunday, but she was too worried about her Bruce Eagle. Um, Rhea Ripley then said it was funny watching someone so powerful crumble. So she planned on sending Charlotte um back to the line. Ripley told um. Schreiber to get out of her face. So for some reason, I guess it was like pick fun of like all the interviewers tonight because everybody just kept being like really rude to these um comment yeah, or these no interviewers. It's like weird. Uh, so, exactly. So then we had Rhea Ripley, Oscar, eleven minute match, nothing to write home about um, because they went back and forth, and of course Rhea Ripley actually got a clean pinfall victory. Match was actually decent. It's it's one of their better matches. It's, I'm not going to say it's the best one they've ever had, but it was better. It wasn't just as good as their WrestleMania match, let's just say that. And then Charlotte comes out afterwards, and Charlotte attacks Rhea Ripley. And here's what I liked about this brawl. Um, You got to see Charlotte Flair's bra strap. That's it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Literally, Charlotte Flair. Charlotte bloodied up. Well, well, yeah, she got like a bloody nose and – I mean, she, she, Adam, she elbowed Adam Pierce. This was like, a fight club in the club in the ring. No, you know what this was? <laughs> this is this is this is like the girls like fighting at school at like seven fifteen in the morning for no damn reason. That's what it looked like to me. It just I'm gonna see y'all bright and early. Watch. Exactly, so exactly, the ass is mine. Exactly, exactly. And then you got like eight motherfuckers like coming in trying to break the shit up. And I will say this here though. Hurricane Shane Helms. I did not know it was the hurricane because I really thought because I was like asking who the hell is this fat fuck? Like this fat fuck kept like, yeah, trying to check Charlotte and shit. Hurricane. And I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, that's the hurricane. I'm like, damn, oh. that motherfucker's fat as fuck. I'm like, damn, <laughs> like that motherfucker looked like Kent Brockman. I was like, whoa, like I didn't expect Shane Helms to give up on himself that bad. You know, I was like, damn. I mean, we haven't seen him since what the Royal Rumble. Exactly, but damn, that motherfucker uh-huh. can't keep himself in shape. I'm like, <laughs> damn. Um, but yeah, and then of course, um, nothing really right home about though in this. Kevin Patrick barged into the private room of Bobby Lashley and MVP, and MVP actually got mad at him. He, he said, he said, he said, why the hell did you come into this without even knocking or anything? And you don't even call Bobby Lashley the Almighty. And um, Kevin Patrick apologized for being rude, and then MVP said. Stop it," he said. "He said this is starting to turn weird." So then Patrick asked if there was any idea why McIntyre had to face Styles tonight. Um, I don't know why Patrick didn't go to Adam Pierce or Sonya Deville, but he went to MVP and Bobby Lashley. MVP said he did not know. He said that Lashley was off because this was a perk of being a champion. Lashley grabbed the mic and said that he would publicly execute McIntyre before mounting his head on a stick. Um, which fun fact is actually the William Wallace's fate. So I don't know why McIntyre was trying to say that William Wallace was actually like this great hero, but yeah. So third hour begins. Um, we had um, Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax, three minutes, 57 seconds. Alexa Bliss wins via DQ. Um, actually really wasn't a lot of like the 
weird bullshit. It just was just more after the match and at the finish. But, yeah, so, of course, Bliss literally is about to win with Twisted Bliss, and then Reginald comes in and breaks up the cover, which he actually didn't even touch her. He just, like, literally just pulled her up from Nia Jax, and then Alexa Bliss just used her weird voodoo, and, you know, Reginald got lost into a trance, and Nia Jax didn't move, and, yeah, it was just... It was just some bullshit, and then we had to have all the commentators talk like they were at a funeral, like, all I know is Alexa Bliss won via DQ. <laughs> this must... I was just I was just like, man, this is some weird shit. I'm like, like y'all guys really don't... I said, I said, they really don't put over this really good, and it's terrible. MVP approached the New Day. MVP pretended he didn't know who Xavier Woods' name was. And MVP said Kofi Mania was dead, and he should know why. He's, he mocked Kingston for, you know, um, not being, you know, he, MVP just was just mocking Kingston. And then, of course, Kofi Kingston said that he wasn't going to give up on his friends. And, and then MVP said, he said, MVP said, you're not even the loser tonight. He said, Xavier was the one that got pinned tonight. He, and then he called Kofi a loser. <laughs> so then, so then um, Kofi told Woods, that, um, look here, if you don't want to be picking up your teeth, you need to leave. And Xavier Woods said, MVP, can you hurry this up? We have to get home and put water in your mama's dish. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. I did like that. And then, and then, of course, MVP said, I'm going to leave. He said, he said, oh, Kofi, good luck with your match on Sunday. Oh, forgot you don't have one. <laughs> so I didn't like that part. I was like, I said, I said, man, he got, I said, he got burned at the end of the day on that one. So um, what's, what's your guys on the Kofi Kingston um, being recruited by Bobby Lashley? Do you think he's going to be turning to the dark side or no? Nah, I don't think so. Nah, I don't think so either. I think this is going to be the, his chance to bring in a tag team just to face off against them. Which I'm hoping you keep my fingers crossed, and I said this, I said this before, might be the Street Profits. Street Profits will be perfect for the hurt business. Mm. Nah, Kofi won't turn to the dark side. Yeah, I can't I even just him as a as a heel. I just got this feeling Kofi is going to turn. I just got that feeling. I just got that feeling. I, I just do. It's like now now they're really like, you know, teasing and stuff. And now Kofi's like really starting to ponder hard about this. So it's probably going to happen. It probably is. So probably when we least expect it or something. Mm-hmm. True. True. Um, they like to surprise. It, sometimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, And then next up, we got the worst part of Monday Night Raw. We got Jackson Riker Elias in 231. Um, Jackson Riker won again via countout. Same finishes last week. Elias much. basically just quit. <laughs> um, I, you know, if I'm Elias, man, I, I'm I, I would probably just want to sit at home now and get some money because I'm just like, why do I have to feed with this? Because it was just really was terrible. Riker did a pre-tape promo stating that Elias was the one holding him back, and the camera zoomed right on his eyes, which was just, like, creepy as hell. Like, Ew. to me, Jackson Riker just really reminds me of Dexter Loomis, except he talks. That's it. So there's no <laughs> difference. In there's really no difference in these guys. It's just like, uh. We had an NXT um, thing air tomorrow night for William Regal addressing the future of NXT. Um, McIntyre entered for his match. The main event was starting at 10.20 p.m. And, of course... We were gonna get fucked over because we're not gonna yep. get no clean finish on this show. So, so McIntyre gets a four minute entrance. 
Exactly. McIntyre gets a four-minute entrance. Lashley gets a four-minute entrance. AJ and almost come out for a two-minute entrance. Almost is getting flirted with by the women. And there was actually one woman that really looked like she won it almost. There really was. <laughs> AJ had to get almost to come down to ringside with him. Um, but almost, like, literally, when I was looking at it on the camera, he was really looking up at that woman. So I think him and that woman actually might have something. I, I was actually probably, I was actually happy for almost. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, yeah, let's let's get some love on this show because this is way better than this bullshit. So McIntyre won via DQ, and then of course McIntyre hit a flying clothesline, but Lashley jumped him for the DQ. The Viking Raiders attacked Lashley before McIntyre suplexed him on the floor. So then we get a six man tag. And Lashley can't even be at, at, at the start of the match because, remember, he's got to go get in his ring gear. So it's AJ getting his ass whooped and getting the heat from the Viking Raiders and McIntyre. And then almost comes in and almost is holding down the Viking Raiders. And then, of course, when we get back from commercial, it's already 10.56, meaning that almost has got, like, the heat still in the Viking Raiders – and then McIntyre comes in. McIntyre almost actually had, like, you know, a quick moment where they actually talked, where they actually, like, had, like, this moment. Like, almost actually was holding down McIntyre, kind of what, like, T- like kind of what the old woman was doing to um, Mercedes Martinez. And McIntyre fought back. He kicked almost. Of course, Tag comes in. Um, literally, it's AJ gets in, and then... McIntyre gave Styles three overhead suplexes, so AJ just tagged in Lashley. Lashley's pissed off, and then Lashley gets hit with a Claiborne out of nowhere, and that's how the show ends. And the announcers try to act as, like, Styles tagged Lashley by mistake, but it looked very, very deliberate. So um, that was all for the three-hour Monday Night Raw. Um, What was your guys' thoughts on this go-home Raw show? I can go first. I can go first. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Yeah, not gonna lie. I thought Raw. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty much. It was pretty much ugly. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a typical Raw. Um, I I did enjoy the Matt Riddle and Randy stuff, but outside of that. There's nothing to be excited yeah, I got, about. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I have to say the same. If it was for the Randy Orton, RKO, yeah. RKO, New Day, and the MVP, the Kofi Kingston problem, I think I would just throw this whole shit in the garbage can. But I'm savage it with one star. One star. <laughs> I, I'm not even rating this Raw. I'm just saying, I'm just saying the Raw show is just... It was just a Raw show. It's a Raw yeah. show like... like yeah, um, the last show that needs help. We need Paul Heyman back. On we need two hours. Thank you. That's what we, we need. We need two hours and Paul Heyman back. <laughs> I agree. I yeah. agree. Um, mm-hmm. How about this year, though? We've had some NBA games go on. So we're going to finally get into some NBA coverage. Man, fuck we, the Nuggets. <laughs> well, before we can say fuck the Nuggets, so loud. No, no, I'm doing it right now. Y'all saw that game last night. It's fuck the Nuggets, man. And I'm not putting all the blame on the Joker. I got to put it on the people that was around him that didn't step up when he needed it and when Jamal Murray got injured. And then Mark Malone's. Um, post game shows for the last two, you know, for the last two games. Seemed like he was playing face and trying to save his fucking job. 
even though he probably is not going to get fired, like certain other people who did get fired and certain other coaches that still hasn't got hired, wink, wink, and look at your skin color, folks, because that's the reason why right there. So how come he gets a slap of the wrist? And meanwhile, other players, I mean, I mean, other coaches, nope, please, nope, you got to go. Well, well, since Blackheart's already kind of like did it for me, we're just going to go ahead and get into the Nuggets Phoenix Suns first. No, this is just me venting out my feelings. That was, you know what I'm saying? That was it. Well, I watched that well, game, game, game and three, I was pissed. After first. game three, it was over. Well, we're going to get into the Suns Nuggets game. So, how about this here, though? Uh, Chris Paul had a beautiful game four, 14 of 19, 9 of 9 at the free throw line, 7 assists, 3 rebounds, 37 points, 2 steals. Booker, 34 and 11 of 25, 2 of 8 from 3, 10 of 11 at the free throw line, 11 rebounds, 4 assists. DeAndre Ayton, 6 of 10, 12 points. Mikhail Bridges, 6 of 11, 14. It was, it was literally the perfect game for Phoenix. Shot 52% from the field. Only had eight threes on the night, but that didn't matter because even the Nuggets had 14, but it still wasn't enough. A 125-118 Suns victory to sweep the Nuggets. Michael Porter Jr., 7 of 16, 3 of 8, 20 points on four rebounds. Nikhil Jokic, um, 22 points on 9 of 17, 11 rebounds, four assists, a block. Um, and, 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 hey, give credit to the Nuggets for at least their back – at least their backcourt was showing up in this game. Monte Morris, 8 of 15, 19 points. Will Barton, 9 of 21, 25 points. Both uh, – Will Barton was only 3 of 9 from 3, though. So, um, bench, though, Austin Rivers, 2 of 6, only 5 points, and – you know, hey, give credit to Capazzo, five, five of ten, four, seven from three on fourteen off the bench, but it just wasn't enough. Um, Phoenix takes it in four. Um, were you guys shocked that Phoenix took this in four, or did you think that this was at least going to be? I was shocked. Okay. <laughs> no, I wasn't shocked. <laughs> I was shocked. At least they can win one like, game, not one. Game three was. That was their best chance, and they I knew after that. Game, but I'm like, yeah, the Suns. They're they're just after game three. Now. I knew after yeah, it's a sweep. <laughs> I, I will say though, I'm actually really proud of. Um, I, I I really I really thought Denver. This was probably Denver's closest game they were actually going to win because they actually had like their best backcourt shooting in this entire series. Um, but you know, for the Phoenix though, Chris Paul just came out. And nope. just played a just a whole new level of a game. Like this was a this was like this the was best a, Chris Paul we've that seen I in a long time. Mm-hmm. I think this might be the best Chris Paul ever with this team because this is probably Chris Paul's best team ever. This might be his best team ever that he's actually played with. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I know he's played with the Clippers and I know he's played with some Hornets teams that were really good, but and this Houston. might be his uh-huh. best one. Exactly, but this might be his really best one. Like because. This really actually might be. Um, and give credit to the Phoenix Suns organization. This was a team two years ago that had only 19 victories. And now they're in the Western Conference Finals. That was a huge jump. And undefeated in the bubble. Exactly. And 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 give and that's one thing I and that's one thing about Phoenix. Phoenix came out and you know and and you know and give credit to um James Jones, their um GM. He's he's actually someone that's <laughs> James been Jones. Exactly. Give, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's built a actually a great team around the Phoenix organization, and and Phoenix, you know, and Monty Williams. Give credit to him as the head coach. You know, yeah. 
he's 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 literally been the best head coach in the Western Conference this year, and now it shows. Mm-hmm. So. And I'm more shocked that he didn't win. I'm more shocked that he didn't win Coach of the Year before Tom Thibodeau did. But you know what? I'm not shocked though because the whole narrative this year was Chris Paul was the one that led this team. So, so, so I kind of figured that they weren't going to do that. So I kind of figured. Uh, yeah, that. and I, and New Yorkers, they're very big. So, like that market. So it was just like, oh, Knicks. This was the best the Knicks have done in in like years. So yeah, yeah, and and it's the first time that the Knicks were a four seed since I believe the 2013 season. So that was like like what like eight nine years ago. So, so yeah. That's st- so that's so so, that, so I did give credit to Thibodeau. Thibodeau did great. Um, Nate McMillan was definitely the third runner up because if Nate McMillan had coached the Hawks a full season. Nate would have actually won this award. Yeah, I agree. So, I agree. Yeah. So, and then in our other game on Sunday, it didn't end great for Brooklyn Nets fans as the Bucks. Kyrie went down. Yep, Kyrie went down second quarter, eight forty one in the second quarter. Yeah, I was on close. a driving layup. Um, Kyrie is not playing game Tomorrow. five in Brooklyn. Yeah. Nope, he will be out. Harden's um, out. Yep, Harden's out. Kevin Durant. Didn't look good without Kyrie or Harden in that second half. In the second half, Harden, by the way, was only – let me check the box score. Yep, 5 of 15. Yep, 5 of 15, 16 points for Harden in that second half without Kyrie. Harden overall, 9 of 25, 1 of 8 from 3, 28 points, 13 rebounds. A steal, a block, 5 turnovers, and Bucks win 107 to 96. Giannis, 14 of 26, 1 of 5 from 3, uh, 34 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh, he had five turnovers, though. P.J. Tucker, I guess, stopped Kevin Durant. If you, you want to say this is a – I said, I guess. <laughs> like, 5 of 8, 3 of 6. This was actually P.J. Tucker's best game offensively, though. 3 of 6 from 3 on 5 of 8, 13 points. Chris Middleton, 7 of 15, 3 of 8, 19 points. Drew Holiday, 6 of 16, 2 of 7 from 3. 14 points, 9 assists. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, give credit to, you know, Milwaukee. They came back from being down 2-0. They didn't shoot the ball great, though. They, they only shot 44%, and the Brooklyn Nets shot 43%. But really what won this game for Milwaukee was the 16 threes that they had. So this was not a game where you go back and say, well, you know, Milwaukee really just dashed this. I mean, had Kyrie played this second half and it was Kyrie healthy – I don't see I don't see Milwaukee winning this game. I see Milwaukee actually going down three one. Um, and you know it and Brooklyn Nets without you know Kyrie, it was a different game. They just didn't have the shooting on them. Um, what was your guys' thoughts on this Sunday's game? Yeah, that that changed the momentum. Um, and now it looks like Milwaukee. They they have the best chance tomorrow. They they better not blow it. This is their chance. Yeah, to go up three two. Yeah, I, I I will say it just looks like to me that Milwaukee might be the favorite tomorrow night to take the three two victory. I'm not going to go into the betting odds and stuff just yet because because of course we're you know we're talking right now. But but I will say though that you know to me Milwaukee has to get better though. You know to me I think what's going to be the big crucial thing for Milwaukee is. If Giannis is going to have this 30-point game, which Giannis will, Middleton... Middleton has to score at least 20. Exactly. And Drew Holiday himself 
is going to have to be, you know, to, because in no, no offense to Drew Holiday, but Chris Middleton did have eight assists and Holiday had nine. You know, in my opinion, I just – I don't know. Like, Holiday to me is going to be a reason that Milwaukee would lose at game five because, because you know, I mean the big thing is going to have to be now – is can Milwaukee stop Kevin Durant? <clears throat> I don't think they're going to be able to stop Kevin Durant. I think Kevin Durant's going to have a great night tomorrow night where he's going to get over 30. And Brooklyn, you know, but but then again, it's going to take Brooklyn Joe Harris. It's going to take Blake Griffin playing those first two games like the Blake Griffin of the Clipper days. It's going to take Landry Shamit, Mike James, you know, they're going to need they're going to need that kind of help. They're going to definitely need a lot of help coming into this game. So um, but yeah, and then of course we had one game that's already finished up in the books tonight. It was the Hawks 103-100 victory. Trey Young may have not had a 2020 game, but my goodness, he had the 2020 vision on Diamond Fleet. 25 points, 18 assists, eight of 26 shooting. Eh, we could we don't we got we got we got to talk about the percentages. But Trey Young had a great game. We had five players in the double figures, all starters for the Hawks in the double figures. Sixers had all five of their guys in double figures as well. And it was it was definitely – I mean, and the questionable thing that will probably be at the end of this game was Ben Simmons did not play the last 30 seconds of this game. And Seth Curry took the, um, the game winner go-ahead three, or the tying three, and he didn't make it. Seth Curry was 7 of 10, 3 of 6 on the night, 17 points. Um, Tobias Harris, 20 points on 8 of 15. Um, Embiid, 4 of 20. Whew, yeah. On 17 That's points, tough. 21 rebounds, though. He had 21 rebounds, though, so you can't get mad at that. It's, But this was um, definitely not a, a great game. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. But but this is not a great game, though, for Philadelphia, you know, shooting the ball. Neither themselves, you know. But Atlanta did shoot the ball even worse. Atlanta was 37% from the field. 30% from three. Philadelphia, 11 of 27, that's 40% from three. 43% shooting overall, but like I mentioned, Embiid was four of 20, so what's really good shooting right there? Um, um, what was your guys' thoughts on this game? Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, Trey Young. He, he had himself a game. Uh, I didn't see the game, but yeah, um, Hawks got it back to um, tie the series. So two. It should be interesting. Yeah, the next game is going to be real interesting. I, I will. I, I actually do agree because now Philadelphia now looks like now they Philadelphia now looks like they've got this game now under control. Now, um, I, I mean, well, sorry, Atlanta looks like they've got this game now under control. You know, it's now two two. Trey Young didn't have a great night shooting, but you know he was able to still do everything to yeah. win this game. And you know, the free throws at the end really were the ones that mattered. Six of eight at the free throw line, you know, give credit to Clint Capella, six of nine, 12 points, 13 rebounds, um, a block. And give credit to Collins as well. You know, Collins and Clint Capella do deserve credit for taking down Embiid and making Yeah, Embiid had a poor shooting night. Yeah, he just had a poor shooting night. And give credit to um, the um, Hawks off the bench as well because Matisse Thibel, one of five from three, only five points on two of seven. George Hill was one of three. Shake Milton was two of seven with eight points. So, so they did hold the bench down really good. So, so uh, very, but it was a very good defensive effort. It, however, the box score will tell you Philadelphia was more better defensively. 
However, the actual score will be if you've seen the highlights or anything that the Hawks, you know, had the defense on Embiid. So, but those were the two games that's wrapped up. Um, right now, going on at the moment, we've got the um, Clippers Jazz playing right now. Clippers are still just beating the Jazz. Um, right now, score at the moment a 105-90 Clippers in the fourth quarter. It's definitely and the Clippers the first quarter actually were up thirteen to um we're actually up thirty to thirteen at the end of the first quarter. So the Jazz offense has just been really bad. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, eight of twenty three, thirty three points, five rebounds, four assists to steal. Up the big for the Clippers. E- exactly. Yeah. Um, the Clippers has some life in this series. Exactly. Now uh, Paul George, twenty two nine um four and a steal on seven of seventeen, three of eight from three. Kawhi Leonard, 29 points, 7 rebounds, uh, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block. 9 of 19, 3 of 7 from 3. Marcus Moore Sr. with yeah. 22 in this game. Yeah. Um, and, and this is actually very shocking because Reggie Jackson, who's been the second best player, only has 4 points tonight in 28 minutes. And, and, and of course, uh, Rudy Gobert, uh, the defensive player of the year, 9 points, uh, 7 rebounds. Uh, not really much to really go off there. Um, Terrible. Bogdano- yeah, Bogdanovich, 17 points. Um, you got Jordan Clarkson with eight points on three of 12, two of eight from three. Jordan Clarkson has not been, like, really good in this playoff shooting. He really has really that's been bad, bad in like playoff shooting. Either. That's the last load of long we've done. So, so um, that's all that's going on right now. Um, getting into the betting odds for tomorrow night's um, – NBA games got the DraftKings loaded up. There's only one game. Yep, only one game tomorrow night. That's 8:40. It's the Bucks Nets. Um, there will be no keeping it 200 tomorrow night. So, I'd like to apologize to everybody. So let's cue the oh chant. <laughs> woohoo! No, that's a woohoo. That's a day off. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Bucks. Are the favorite minus four and a half in Brooklyn. They are the minus one ninety on the money line. Um, Brooklyn is the underdog at plus four and a half, plus one sixty money line. So we're gonna take it down to Tavon, Ash, and Blackheart. Tavon, Bucks, are they winning by five, or the Nets keeping this game under five, and or the Nets could win? Hmm. Bucks have a shot. Um, Ash? Yeah, I'm going to say the Bucks. I think the momentum shift. Uh, hmm. Blackheart? Hi, yeah, 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 yeah. Katie's by himself, then I got to go with the Bucks. I don't trust many other people. Only way that they win is if Blake Griffin comes off and goes off and has himself a great game. And a few other prime shooters come off the bench, like um, Claxton, um, what's that? Harris and just one more other person. I can I've got his name, but they need some of the people to step out. Otherwise, they're gonna lose tomorrow. So I'm going with the Bucks. I'm actually gonna say Brooklyn plus four and a half. I don't know if they'll win the game, but I do say that they actually covered the spread. A $100 payout for the Nets plus four and a half will give you $92. That's $192 for the total. So I'm definitely gonna go that way. Um, NHL games. 
going on right now at the moment. You know, um, we had the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, because let's see what's been going on in the NHL. Because let me see NHL. Do do. Yeah, we actually had the Golden Knights beat the um, Montreal Canadiens four one. So I'm keeping up with that bet. So I, I, and I said, and I said it was going to be the um, Lightning Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup Finals. And then, of course, we had the Islanders beat the Lightning Sunday. Whoa. And um, tomorrow night, it's back again. The Islanders are again the money line underdog at plus 172. Um, Lightning are the favorite, minus 200. Um, of course, if you're really feeling lucky on the Tampa Bay Lightning to win by more than two goals, it's a plus 148 on the um, thing. So $100 payout will get you $148 back. Um, taking it to you guys, who's winning tomorrow night in game two, Islanders or Lightning? I'm going to go with the Lightning. I'm going to tie. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Lightning. I'm actually going to go Islanders. I think the Islanders pull off the upset. I'm going to go Islanders money line at plus 172. I just got that feeling. Um, Montreal Canadiens, Golden Knights, that's going to be Wednesday night. Um, that'll probably be, I, I don't know if I'll be even doing a keeping it 200 show Wednesday as well. So, cause there's no AEW or nothing. So, um, nope. gold Knights are yeah. a minus it's oh, a- no, go ahead. Friday. Yeah, exactly. Just, um, it feels weird. Exactly. It does. But the good news is, you know, come Saturday or come late Friday night, we can all review the shows because um, yeah. there'll be two shows. Um, so, of course, Wednesday, we've got the Canadians, Golden Knights. Um, Canadians are plus 220 on the money line. Golden Knights are minus 265. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and take the Canadians at plus one and a half on the puck line. So that means that if the Canadians lose by a goal, I'm not as, like, sad because that's what I've got. What about you guys? Golden Knights um, win definitively by two goals or just Golden Knights victory, guys? Golden Knight victory. Uh, I'll say the Canadian victory. Okay. All right. Well, um, yep. Um, let me see if there's any other, any other news or topics that anybody wants to talk about on keeping it 200. Tavon, Ash, Blackheart. Nothing for me today. Just y'all keep it cool. Keep it breezy. We'll see you later on this week. Yeah, nothing much. Uh, th- th- I'm disappointed in Spain. They, they had a draw today. And the Euros against Sweden. I actually did see that because there were a lot of betters that did not have the draw. So, and the draw, I believe, was at like uh, when I saw the draw, it was like at like plus two forty five. So if you, so if anybody did have the draw, they actually did win. They did, they did hmm. win a lot of money. So, um, but yeah, I mean, not not much else for me as well. Um, what you call it? Um, but yeah, that that's all. That, I guess I guess that's gonna be all for the keeping it two hundred. Um, I will say though, shout out to Kat Denningsons. Her birthday was Sunday. And do you guys know what Kat Denningsons did on her birthday Sunday? She scratched lottery tickets with her brother and only won two dollars on a scratch off, and she was excited. So, um, <laughs> oh wow, I know, I, I I I know, I know, my future wife is. So simple, please. <laughs> I, I'm still gonna get her, so I, I'm not quitting on this goal. I'm not quitting on my goal, you know. Uh, I, um, and I, I, yeah, and what you call it? And um, 
But yeah, but yeah, I, I will say the highlight of the night though to me was definitely um the Zyli, you know, it was definitely the Zyli gear. So, um, I, I know black, I know black cars just disgusted with me over there. You know, I'm black just shaking like, my head, man. I'm just shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, cause, but 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 Lord knows if I talk bad about Dana Brooke. You know, you know, I gotta get. I gotta That's get different, okay. That's plastic surgery right there, but you still gotta do a body. I mean, I like, like I said, my. Put me I in like the middle between any role to Dana Brooke and leave me alone for three days. I'll have a best time of my life. I like my EO Shirai. Oh, de- oh okay. okay, okay, definitely, definitely, I definitely see that. Um, also, she, um, also Carter Shida's fr- uh, birthday was uh, Friday as well, so. So um, shout out to happy birthdays to those two and stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess that's going to be all for the keeping it 200 episode. Um, make sure you guys uh, check out all previous episodes on Spotify and stuff. We'll probably be back. Let's go ahead and all meet up back on Thursday, probably around Thursday night again. <laughs> Good stuff right there. So that way I can get two days off and get um, to work because I definitely got to go to work. Definitely got to get some groceries. Definitely got to get a lot of stuff done around the house and give everybody, you know, some time to all refocus and regroup. Blackheart, I know that you've got work and stuff. And Tavon Ash, I know you guys probably got work as well. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. But that's all for keeping it 200. Episode 24. Shout out to the Mamba, Kobe Bryant. And um, I did have to ask everybody else before I leave. Did everybody listen to the Meagles Culture um, 3 album? No. I heard I, some I, of it. Yeah, I, I heard a few songs. I thought it was decent. Oh. I, 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 I actually thought it was actually one of... Um, I, I'm not going to say it's album of the year, but I say it actually is one of the best albums. Did anybody listen to the uh, Polo G album um, that came out as well, the Hall of Fame? Oh, I haven't. No, I haven't heard that one. Me neither. Uh, well, well, I will, I will say though, if um, if you're a Demi Lovato fan, um, he, you know, he kind of did shout out her. He said that he was selling Demi Lovato on the corner. Um, you know, of course, there's some Demi Lovato fans that have not been happy. So, you know, that's kind of been cute to see on social media. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't. Um, but yeah, I actually did listen to about a couple of songs on that album, but I haven't really been like paying as uh, much attention. But but anyway, so um, we're just gonna end out it with um vaccine by the Migos that opened up the show today and yeah um so yeah and that'll be over I'm for you Thank you, Savon Jameson. Thank you, Ash. Thank you, Blackheart. I'll see all of you guys Thursday night if you all are there. All right, y'all. Peace.